Hi, I'm Daniel Torres Dwyer and welcome to Alice International's Career Success Podcast. Going international and managing a global career is not an easy choice, but it can be an immensely satisfactory one, both at a personal and professional level. I would like to hear more about how to manage this type of career, this type of life actually, with one of the most international people I know, who's actually lived and worked in over seven countries, even if he's from the US. This is Kevin Kornick, who most recently joined Clay's board. That was in October of 2018, and was actually named interim CEO of Claire's in March of 2019. He formerly was the EVP of International for Carters, and prior to that, uh, he has a very interesting history of 20 years working in general management across Asia, South America, Europe, for companies such as Nike, Mars, and Whirlpool. Prior to his professional career, he actually spent five years as a US Army officer serving as a helicopter pilot. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm fine, Daniel. It's a pleasure to join you. Thank you for the invitation. Perfect. So yeah, today, as I said in the introduction, we're going to speak about your international career and per extension, why have an international career and what it's all about. How did you start an international career or actually what made you move internationally for a start? Well, I have to admit that my, my desire to have an international career started long before I started to work. It started when I was just a, a little boy. I was growing up with my parents in Bangkok, Thailand, because my father was an army attache assigned to the embassy in Bangkok. And my aunt was a banker based in Hong Kong. So as a child, I had the good fortune to be able to travel back and forth from Bangkok and to Hong Kong. And I can remember very clearly one night when my aunt was having a dinner party in her apartment, I was sitting out on the balcony overlooking Hong Kong Harbor. It was beautiful. And as you know, when I was about 10 years old, I can remember very clearly thinking, whatever this lifestyle is, this is what I, what I want to do when I grow up. Of course, I was too young to really understand what that entailed, but it's a memory that stuck with me all, all those years later as I went through college and started my own career. So it was really something that happened to me when I was quite young that gave me the spark of interest to pursue an international career. Mm -hmm. So do you think that there's a partly an innate element to that desire to move? I would say in my case, there was. So it wasn't part of any grand plan to to build a long-term international career and become the head of international of the company. It was really just an interest that started innocently as a child. And uh, I, I pursued because it was just something that I found inherently interesting. Okay. Actually, Kevin, would you mind mentioning the countries where you've lived and worked? Sure. Well, I started, uh, my first assignment was in Singapore, and I was there for two years before my family and I moved to Hong Kong. And then after Hong Kong, we moved to Tokyo, Japan, from Tokyo, Japan to Santiago, Chile, to Sao Paulo, Brazil, to Basel, Switzerland, back to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm -hmm. From Brazil, we spent a short period of time in the U.S., and then I moved to Bangkok, Thailand, coincidentally, having nothing to do with my childhood, and then finally ended up back in the U.S. in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where I spent the last six years. Okay, and what did you actually learn in every country? 
Well, the first thing you learn is is how to work in a in a different uh, culture, certainly. Mm-hmm. And you know, having been in Asia, Latin America, and Europe, I got a, a broad exposure to a number of different cultures. Another thing you learn, you you certainly have the opportunity to learn, is a foreign language. Some yeah. are harder than others. I'm happy to say I learned Spanish and Portuguese to the point where I could manage the company in those languages. Some of the languages in Asia a little bit more, or actually a lot more challenging, and certainly. Swiss German in, in Switzerland was quite challenging. I can't claim any fluency in that. I can imagine. Um, the other thing you learn in your career working overseas is you learn to deal with a lot of complexity uh-huh. compared to, let's say, how the headquarters or the typical U.S. headquarters of a company operates because often the business models are different. Often the economic conditions, the business conditions in the country can be quite complex. They can also be quite volatile. So you you also learn how to be on your toes and managing a great deal of volatility, everything from exchange rate volatility to what's happening politically. When I was in Thailand before moving back to the U.S., I managed through some of the red shirt, yellow shirt controversies. Oh, yeah, I remember that. When the airport was shut down, yeah. uh, we had a catastrophic flood in Bangkok at that time where one of the factories that I was responsible for was completely flooded. So you get the unexpected in overseas perhaps more often than you would in the U.S. And again, depending on which markets overseas, if you're working in the, the emerging markets, it's likely to be a less predictable than, say, more mature markets. Mm-hmm. And all this knowledge that you've gathered Oh, through the years of living in different locations, how has that helped you as a leader or has contributed to your leadership style? I think from a, from a leadership style perspective, you learn to manage the diversity of different cultures. I find that helpful not only when you're moving around overseas, but when you get back to the U.S. and yeah. you manage in your own culture, uh, there is increasing conver- uh, diversity in the U.S. And there's diversity across any kind of workforce in terms of what motivates people, how people react. So I think you develop a um, perhaps a higher EQ because you've had to learn how different cultures have worked work around the world. That's a big thing. The other thing is you develop a global view. So if you spend your whole career in your own home market, yeah. it's less likely that you're going to think globally and think through global impacts of things that happen. So things today that are impacting businesses around the world or businesses certainly in the U.S., are the imposition of tariffs on a lot of products from China. Now, those types of things could be fairly new to certain managers, but if you've been working in Brazil, for instance, where you have a high tariff environment, that's something that you're very accustomed to. So again, you learn a lot of complexity, you deal, you learn to deal with complexity and to be very resilient and creative about finding solutions to challenging business problems. Mm-hmm. What do you think with all this that you've learned, these leadership abilities, overall, what do you think that sets you apart from your peers? In other words, other CEOs, other EVPs, board members that haven't lived abroad? Well, I, I guess I would say there are two things. First of all, as I mentioned in the beginning, this interest in an international career started quite innocently when I was a child. And, and as I started to pursue this international career, I wasn't thinking strategically that I'm going to do this job and then move to that job and yeah. someday become the head of international for a company. I was really pursuing job opportunities that were interesting to me, Mm -hmm. uh, countries that were interesting to me, brands that were interesting to me. And I actually wanted very much to stay away from a global headquarters because I like being close to the business as a 
be working in a headquarters. It just so happens that if you put together 20 years of working around the world, all of a sudden you find yourself with a skill set and a collection of experiences that can make you very attractive to big multinationals. So after about 20 years overseas, I found myself looking at an opportunity to head up International for Carters based in Atlanta. Certainly would not have had had I not pursued that kind of diversity of experience. One thing you benefit, and I benefited from it almost accidentally or certainly unintentionally. The other thing is that, and I alluded to this earlier, if you move around the world for 20 years, you're going to develop a certain amount of sophistication, a certain global view to things that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do if you stayed in your home market. Um, And that just has to do with understanding political situations, business regulations, ways of doing business around the world that it's just hard to develop if you're living in your home market for your entire career. Yeah, absolutely. Look, one concern that I get a lot from, you know, candidates or people in my network that I speak with when it comes to moving internationally is like what impact it will have on their partner, their kids, um, on their personal life as a whole. How have you been able to balance personal life, professional life and professional life involving moving a lot around the world? Yeah. Daniel, I think it's a very valid question. It's a valid concern for people as they're considering a career outside their own market. Because moving around the world and doing what I did, seven countries, it's, I tell you, it's not for everyone. And it comes with its challenges for a family. So in my case, I was married the entire time. Our first daughter was born in the United States before we started that international journey. And the second daughter was born in Japan. I was fortunate in that my wife had a career that was mobile. When we started this journey, she was working as an organizational development consultant and was able to start her own business in in Singapore as well as Hong Kong. It was a little bit more challenging for her to find employment in Japan. And after Japan, she evolved and became a school teacher and ended up teaching in the schools where our daughters went to school and every stop along the way afterwards. So in that sense, I was fortunate in that her career was was mobile and allowed her to continue to pursue her own interests and her own professional objectives. We were also lucky with our children. It just turned out that our children were adaptable. Mm-hmm. They liked experience. Um, the, the family policy was that we enrolled them in local schools in every country with the exception of, of Thailand. So starting in um, really in Japan when they were school aged, uh, our oldest daughter went to a Japanese school. She was the only foreigner in the school. Um, so an interesting experience for her, a fascinating experience for the family. And it also developed in her a great ability to learn languages because from Japan, we went to Chile. So she had to learn Spanish in the, in the Chilean school and then Portuguese in the Brazilian school. So those are some of the advantages that a family can experience, particularly if they're willing to, to enroll their children in local schools. They're, all, they're always international options. So if you're interested in, in having your children learn in their native language, you can do that in most cases. But those were some of the advantages for us. But I, I will say this kind of lifestyle is not for everyone because you don't have the continuity of staying close to your family or staying with friends that you may have grown up with and that are very important to you. You have to be willing to embrace new experiences every few years. And for those who, who are open to that, it can be incredibly enriching and rewarding. But I, I think it is something that think people have to think carefully about before they make a commitment to making a move like that. Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but it's amazing, especially the fact that you enroll them always, except for Thailand, into local schools. Not everyone does that. So that's a very interesting part, Kevin. 
it is unusual. And I, I realized that we were the exception in doing that. And, um, you know, people have often thought, wow, that must have been very difficult for your children. And I would just say that our children didn't know any better. They just thought that's the way it had to be. So yeah. when we moved to a new country and walked into a new school, they realized that there was going to be another language there. And um, they just got with the program. And after some period of time, were able to adapt and, and, and speak the language. So that's been a great experience for them, but it wouldn't work for all children. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what would your advice be to someone that doesn't want to relocate or has many doubts about it? And I speak with a lot of people that are under this circumstance. So I would appreciate your input and they would more so. Well, as I said, I, I think it is important to consider Uh, the consequences of taking an international assignment. And I would put them in two buckets. I would say that they're the personal and family considerations that we just discussed. So that's really a very personal discussion that the executive has to have with their family, with their spouse, and with their children to get a sense of the family's willingness to take on a challenge like that. If you're going to do it, you have to focus on the positive. And another positive that can happen that I didn't mention about is that it often creates a very strong family bond. Because as you travel around the world as a family, or even if you just take one international assignment, you're yeah. going to that it brings the family together because at least initially you're going to feel like it's, it's, you know, just the family. That's all you have is each other as you move into this new culture. And I think that can be quite positive experience for families. And over time you realize you're going to make friends and you'll have some level of integration with the local culture, but there's still a, a dynamic that happens for families that uh, I think it's Uh, creates a, quite a strong bond, which I think is positive. On the professional side, mm -hmm. um, the positives are clearly the ones that I talked about. You're going to yeah. new experiences. You're going to see new business models. You're going to learn to deal with different levels of complexity. You're going to learn to manage cross-culturally. Those are the reasons to do it. The things that you have to think through are, what's your long-term plan here? In my case, I, I wasn't worried about having the company bring me back to the United States. I would say that that's the exception. A lot of people want to know how long they're going to be abroad and what they can look forward to in moving back to their market. Frankly, not a lot of companies do this well. They can move people outside their markets well, but it's often much more challenging for an expat to repatriate because if you've spent three or four years abroad with a lot of experience, more experience than you've had in your career, I think you expect and rightfully expect to have some level of promotion or broader experience, broader responsibility when you move back. Not a lot of companies do that well. So I would advise people to have a very candid conversation with HR, with management of the company to get a sense of how they look at repatriation. Uh, if that's the executive's goal, because if, if you really want to come back to your, your, the company that brought you overseas, it's important to get aligned on expectations. I would say that that's very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Kevin, this was super interesting. So thanks a lot for your insights. Daniel, it was my pleasure. It's, uh, I consider myself lucky that uh, I got to achieve the dream that I, that I had as a 10-year-old. As a so, and I'm happy to, to share that experience with you. Yes, no, it was very interesting and I'm very fortunate as well to have you here today. Also, thanks to our listeners and we'll see you in the next edition of our podcast. Bye.